This is a test of the emergency broadcast system. In five. Deck for sound. Four. It's showtime. Three. Let's two, go. One. You're listening to the Pro Audio Suite, a program for audio and voiceover professionals. Welcome to another Pro Audio Suite. This week we have a special, it's a microphone shootout. Uh, I'll just run through the microphones in a tick, but first of all, we have a special guest from Nashville, Tennessee. We met him a couple of weeks ago. He's back. Jeff Silverman. Howdy. Uh, or hello. Hello. <laughs> or, hmm, a little confused. Which, Too many whichever seats. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, we have our normal team of uh, George Whittem in LA. Hey, what's up? Hanging out here near the ocean <laughs> down here in California. Dude. <laughs> uh, in Chicago, Robert Marshall. Robert from Chicago. <laughs> this is getting ridiculous. Uh, Robbo <laughs> in, in Sydney. I'm going to be the odd one out and just say hi. <laughs> Oh, that's, that's a bit disappointing. Oh, good day, and, uh, yeah, and me sort of down the coast, out of Melbourne, uh, kind of like uh, being a bit of a dude myself. It's a bit of a surf joint that I live in. Uh, anyway, so our microphone special this week, we're looking at a series of microphones uh, that pretty well cover every kind of area, I hope. Um, the only reason we're using the ones we've got is because they're the ones that I had close to hand. So we have a Sennheiser 416, uh, Rode NTG4, a Rode Procaster, an AKG C414EB P48, an NT1 from Rode, a Microtech Cafel M930, a Gene Audio JA87, and a Microtech Cafel M92.1S, which is Eric Bazilian's favourite microphone. Um, so what we're going to do is have a listen to all the microphones together because Jeff has been very kind and uh, lined them all up for us so we can have a bit of a listen to them and just compare them. So okay, the price great. range is wide. The price range is huge. It goes from around about 150, 160 bucks for the Procaster to I think Vintage King sell the M92.1S for about two and a half thousand, and that's in US dollars. So Jeff, if you would uh, press the button. the button, please. Be happy to. How much do you want to hear of each sample? About five seconds or a little less? I I like hearing basically the microphone name, and there you go. Yeah. Okay. Great. Here you go. See what you think of the C414EB P48, a vintage mic from 1983. This one comes from Melbourne company Gene Audio. It's called the JA87. Uh, it's the M92.1S. It's a limited edition Microtech Gefell M930 Art. Our next microphone is the NT1, which is the latest edition, the one that's black. From Rode Microphones, it's called the Procaster. Is the Sennheiser 416, 416, 416, whichever way you like to say it. This is the NTG4. Wow. And, and I take it back, they are all very different. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, isn't it? When you hear them like that, they are certainly different. Mm. So yeah. what we're going to do is we're going to do a few things. We're going to talk about, um, you know, value for money, best quality microphone, what kind of genre they're going to fit, whether it's imaging, vocals, home studio, road case, whatever. Um, also, servicing and reliability, which is something you need to consider, especially if it's your sure. one go-to mic, and the pros and cons of each microphone. So... 
Based on that, we should start with the standard kit for voiceover, which is the Sennheiser 416, 416, 416. George, you'd be very familiar with this one. Yeah, um, it's... We hate using the term industry standard, but it certainly has established itself as such in the voiceover world of Los Angeles. In fact, so much so that in voiceover, we call it the LA mic and we call (laughs) the U87 the New York mic. Um, Is that right? (laughs) Wow. So, so what's the Chicago mic? Or the Chicago, sorry about that. It's an that. SM57. No, I don't know, I'm saying, I mean, I mean, actually we do tend to use the, yeah, coming from Evanston, the SM57 would be the Chicago mic, wouldn't it be? Um, <laughs> no, yeah, I so actually, it's, um, yeah. it's it's very hard to, to deny the 416 has a, a sound that we, we know, and it sounds uh, in this mix about right. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's pleasing, but a little bit hyped, um, and... But the thing is, you line it up with the others and the value proposition, I don't know. Is it worth $1,000? Because there's some really strong mics in this category for a lot less money. Okay, so based on that, where do you think this microphone sits? Is it an imaging mic? Is it a vocal mic? We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, commercial you know, mic, you know? It's, it's an imaging mic for sure because it's, it's a got a, it almost has a compression it's so bizarre because of the way it's designed. It, it almost sounds like you're compressing the audio without compression. And it's, it has this gig kilohertz bump that really punches it up in the mix. And yep. if people love it, they can throw it over sound effects and music and it sits right over top a lot of the time. So that seems to be what it's for. But you'd never believe how many times I've seen one of these in a audiobook production studio the last thing I would imagine using it for. Yeah. Um, so it's used all over the place. Yeah. yeah I, I think the 416 is, it definitely has that, like, you know, cuts through the mix, just like a knife kind of thing, and you often don't have to EQ it as much. And what at first seems like kind of a snarly, kind of edgy thing that it has, along with that bass, because it's a, you know, the hyper, super hyper, um, the, the shotgun you know, polar pattern. But what's funny about it is that you think it won't work for so many things. And then when you throw it into a mix, it just works. And I think that's what engineers like about it is that it's just fits in so easily, even though I think it's probably in reality, if you put it up on a scope, probably full of distortion and other inharmonic stuff due to its polar pattern mainly. But yeah, it definitely works for the purpose, which is the point. Now you've been using these for years, Robbo. Um, mm. doing imaging and stuff, mm. you expect to receive a file that's on a, a, a 41.6? Yeah, look, I, I can't think of too many other mics that I've used in 30-odd years of doing radio imaging. I, it's about all I remember ever using. There's the odd Neumann, I guess, thrown in there, here and there. Um, but, yeah, it's pretty much, well, I mean, as George said, we hate using the term, but it's pretty much industry standard. You don't get too much stuff that's not recorded on one. The thing, the question is, though, and I've heard this before, it's not the perfect microphone for a female voice. No, true, but you still, you still usually the files usually turn up off one, so because it's you know mm-hmm. just been stuck in front of them, so um, so you deal with it. But yeah, I mean, Robert's also right. I mean, it's, you just you can stick it up in amongst anything, and it, and it already cuts without before you touch it. And as we all know with radio imaging, you don't just touch a voiceover file, you squash and EQ the shit out of it and then stick a whole bunch of effects over the top as well. And then I guess that's the other thing is it sort of stands up to all that as well, you know, without sort of too much detriment to the sound is it, you know, you can for some reason compress the living shit out of it um, and it will still sound all right. 
So, um, yeah. So, yeah. Now, Jeff, you wouldn't have come across these very, I would think, ever, probably. You know, listening down to the comparisons, especially comparing to the AKG C414EB, it definitely has more mid-range and a mm-hmm. little bit sibilant for me. Um, if I was to put a vocalist on it, I'd be a little bit hesitant. But at the same time, what you said, Robert, makes a lot of sense that just like in a mix, sometimes you don't look for something that's necessarily good by itself, but you look for something that's going to cut through 100 instruments or 100 tracks of instruments, sorry, or a huge string section. So you sort of anticipate what it's going to end up being in the mix. And I think with that said, I could see where the mid-range could be very helpful. The sibilance, though, compared to some of these other ones, were enough to make me concerned mm. as a mixer. You know, it's it's funny, brother, sibilance, I've always felt that about the 416. And one time I was in a client's studio and he had the 416 up with an Avalon mic preamp that's very popular here also. And I, I dialed out a little bit of the sibilance, you know, I notched out a little bit around 6, 8K, somewhere around there. And uh, he was doing a, a promo for ABC and they uh, they called us on it. They said, is something wrong with that mic? Doesn't sound quite right. Yeah. And I was like, well, I made it sound a little smoother. And he's like, yeah, take that off, would you? Yeah. So it's kind of funny, you know, once once they expect that sound, if you muck with it, yeah. they, the engineer isn't going to be too happy about it. They're expecting it to have that sound. They've probably already compensated for it in their mix, I would imagine. <laughs> hey, Jeff, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of episodes ago, I should say, Robert alluded to the fact that um, for sort of rap and hip hop, that the 416 might become a bit of a standard purely because of the way the performances are delivered. Do you see that at all, or do you think that's... No, again, I think that that's the mid-range would actually work for you. Mm. As long as they can stay on mic, you know, that's the only thing. The problem with the 416 is that it's so directional, which is like, it's really great feature and also can be a tough thing because you got to stay right in the right place with it. If not, it shifts about a lot sonically. Um, so, you know, people on the road trying to minimize their room. And I think that's another reason why it's so popular in post-production. Whereas with music, you're more dealing often with studios of like, okay, let's sit down and let's do this thing. And, and it's not like a um, oh my God, get him on the mic. We need to do a promo right now. Where are you? I don't care. Like just... Right. Say the words. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, just stay on mic with that mic because you got to. Yeah, they are, they're, that's one of the questions I had for each microphone. This one obviously is a bit of a go-to for a road case if you're a voiceover talent. Yeah, it's pretty tough. Just, it's my go-to travel mic for voice actors. Like if they already use one at home, it's a no-brainer to take on the road. And even <laughs> if they don't, it's still kind of a no-brainer. I mean, it, in fact, there are certainly I, less expensive options, and we have a few of those in the list here, but... I saw some great road cases for it, which is literally just go to Home Depot, get a piece of PVC tubing, line it with a little bit of padding, and cap it on either end. There's your there's your road case for that thing. It doesn't take yeah. any more space than it does normally, and it'll definitely protect it. Well, that's interesting because road actually do give you a um, aluminum or aluminium uh, tube to put the uh, NTG3 in uh, yeah. for road, and it's actually waterproof and everything. Very good. It's very um, nice. Yeah, very Let- nice. It'd be very interesting to hear a quick AB between the 416 and the NTG3, just because it's like, I, I assume Rode was trying to kind of go a little bit after the 416 market with that mic. Well, yeah, we, we don't have that mic here, unfortunately. Oh, darn it. Sorry. We've got the NTG4, which is the next one off the cab off the rank. That's yeah, right. Jeff, so which one do you want to, f- I'm sorry, which one do you want to hear? 416 hear and NTG4. Is the Sennheiser 416, 416, 416, whichever way you like to say it. 
This is the NTG4. Uh, nothing is switched on, no high-pass filter, no high-boost. Well, there you go. That's yeah, the 416 the still got more of that cut. Yeah, it too. does, doesn't it? It, it, yeah. still, it still has more cut than that, than that, than that road. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the NTG4 is different to the 416 in the sense that it does have a high-pass filter and a high-boost which I kind of think could be handy on the road. That's my guess. If you're in a, you know, like a no pillow fort or something or a porter booth or something, that, that should work okay. What, do you reckon it would, George? Yeah, I mean, is that a two-position low-cut or just a single on-off low-cut on the NTG4? Is that just, two positions? No, just the one position. Just one, okay. Yeah, I'm yeah. just based on what I heard from the samples, the, the low-cut on there is really aggressive. It really does take off a lot of low-end. So, you know... I think it may work on some people's voices, and in other cases, I think it just guts it a little bit too much. Um, and then I'd rather do it in my. I think I think most engineers rather do that later than yeah, yeah, not, not get yeah. the chance to deal with it on their own. A lot of mics have a very gentle low cut switch or high pass, you know, where it rolls off at six dB per octave, you know, and it's not doesn't do a whole lot. But that one does the opposite. It's like very much like. We want to just get clean enough dialogue to cut so that we can hear this guy talk over the background noise. Yeah. So we'll just take everything below 150 out. That's what it sounds like to me. There's a yeah. there's a MyLab we used to work with over at a, um, a post house. I, um, you know, cutters here in Chicago, and uh, the MyLab, crazy enough, had a 300 hertz low pass. That's a weird. Or or, 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 or or not low pass, but you know, like you know, High low pass. cut. Yeah, low mm-hmm. cut, and really weird frequency. But it was like incredibly gentle. But I remember always looking at that, going like, "Are they nuts?" It might have even been four hundred hertz. I think it was like yeah. way up there. It's a strange mic with a rectangular diaphragm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So how do we how do we rate the uh, NTG four from Rode? What's the price point? Three hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. good for yeah. the price. For the price, absolutely. I, I would say. That's a yeah. great um, stunt mic, I like to call it. You know, like, you're not dripping with money. You don't have two 416s. You want to have that mic that you can throw in the bag and keep on the road and not feel so worried about losing a $1,000 mic. You know, that one's not too bad. Yeah. Um, not too shabby. Robert, let if, me put If I may see. ask, what kind of gain had to be added or subtracted from that? Do you know, Jeff? Well, I could play you the actual file that wasn't normalized if you want yeah, to hear let's, that one. Let's let's hear the difference to that that got it into the range. Uh, nothing is switched on. No high pass filter. No high boost. It's just completely flat. Uh, nothing wow. is switched on. No high pass filter. No high a boost. A lot. Yeah. A lot. Six now now probably. do the same do the same thing with the four sixteen. Is the Sennheiser four one six four sixteen? Phone. Microphone number two Similar. is the wow. Sennheiser yeah. 416. Yeah. Now, these have just been, you know, normalized in Pro Tools with, uh, you know, just slapping it down 99.9% and yeah. just letting it do a thing, which isn't too hot. Yeah, yeah. Right. But they but they both they both got kicked up quite a bit. So I, it, it doesn't sound like there's a tremendous gain difference between the two, actually. Robert, if you um, if you got sent a, if you got sent a voiceover file recorded on it, what would you think? Would you be happy? To I'd use, use it? it. Yeah, I'd use totally. it. Totally. Yeah, just, I'd, I'd probably bump a little bit more, three K or something, three mm-hmm. to six, you know, somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, just make it cut a little bit better, but because um, it did sound a little bit duller than the four sixteen to mm-hmm. me, but overall, I wouldn't scoff at it. No, but yeah. it has that high boost button too, so they must have. I guarantee the four sixteen was sitting in the lab when mm-hmm. they were working on that, and yeah. they were trying to take aim at that mic for a much lower price. I, I 
feel pretty confident about that. But it's a good value proposition. Very, I, I, I yeah, definitely like price. it. I, I, that price surprises me, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, there you go. Three hundred bucks opposed to a mm. thousand for the four one six. Yeah. Um, could be a good one to have at home and also chuck in the road case. Mm. Now, the next microphone is uh, a bit of a you know. It's just one we chucked in the mix just to get an idea of what dynamic microphones sound like. Um, the only one I had handy was the uh, Rode Procaster. From Rode Microphones, it's called the Procaster. I'm running it once again through the M101. Is the Sennheiser 416, 416, 416. <laughs> so there, there, there even still feels like a gain difference between those even does, after normalized, but... Yeah. Do you reckon that's because of a lack of some of the high-end stuff it's com- compared to the 41.6? I, I, I think it actually has to do with the 41.6 being a little bit more compressed sounding. So when it got yeah. gained up, there was less of a difference between the peaks, but the uh, the dynamic sounds like it. the normalizer picked a some peak and then it didn't pump up the rest of the file as mm-hmm. much. The thing that's... I, I got, the only thing I've noticed with the Procaster, it's not what I expected to hear. I thought it was going to be sort of flabby and you know, fat, but um, it's got quite a bit of top end from what I'm hearing. Yeah. It's thin and narrow band sounding. Like it's definitely, it doesn't sound as broad as the 416 uh, to me at least. So based on the Procaster, would you accept a file of a voice on the Procaster? Well, you got to work with what you get. I would um, not be super happy about it. Not sure. I'm sure I would be uh, working on it to try to make it sound more, you know, condenser like get get some top end into it, some air. It, it wouldn't just be chuck it in the mix. I'd, I'd, you'd have to fit it in and work on it a little bit more. Yeah. Okay. What about Jeff? What about for a vocal? It wouldn't be my go-to, Mike. I'm sorry, so I don't have much more Jeff. to say. That. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that got me in and out real quick. What, compared <laughs> to what you would look for in a vocal, Mike, what, what's it lacking? Well, again, it's got more mid range than I would probably care to have when I start things out. Of course, I wouldn't put a, a female voice on that. But it, it all depends on, on the range and it all depends on the singer. I mean, female vocals can be really soft and and airy and low. Plus, it doesn't have a lot of bottom end, but that again could be a plus if you're not looking, if you want a close-up sound uh, with a vocalist and you don't want to have to filter out, you know, high pass and anything. So I just felt that that wasn't as musical to me as some of the other mics that I've heard here. Great and I, I yep. think, again, I keep getting back to road. I was really, really impressed with that. Yeah, right. And uh, that, yeah, that's coming up. So, all right. And, and, well, and the, but the price point on that on that caster is like 150 bucks, right? <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's like you compare it to other dynamics that are known for being great dynamics, like 421s and SM7s, and I think you're you're still three, four times the price difference. Even even with mics in its similar supposed class, well, they kind of what are that what are that they're like an RE twenty. I mean, I, I think that's yeah. kind of what they're mm. trying to do with with yeah RE twenty four twenty one SM seven. I think is all in the same. Maybe but maybe a, even a four forty one. I mean, if like if you're auditioning, say you're setting up someone to just do auditions at home, that could be a really good mic to use for auditions. I guess to be honest, I mean, like I I, I wonder how it sits against like you know just. Your SM58, you're, you're basically your mic at half the price point. I, I wonder if it does compete with those. Um, there are some very inexpensive dynamic mics available that podcasters love that sound better than the Procaster. And I don't have it to A, B against, but anecdotally, I can tell you there are some better mics out there for less money. 
There are some very good mics out there for not so much. It's true, yeah. very true. The MXL 1006. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yes. <laughs> now we're moving on to uh, large diaphragm condensers. Uh, the first one we have is the AKG C414EB. Uh, the one we used is the P48 from 1983, which is the black one. Uh, but I know, Robert, you're sitting actually on an EB the as well. Silver. Yep, you I got, the, I got silver the silver one, one which, here. Mm-hmm. Which should be gold because they're worth gold. And that's a fact. You're inspiring me to go look it up on eBay and see what people are doing. <laughs> uh, well, if it's if you can see, can you see the capsule? Yeah, it's it's definitely like no center tap. But I think that's the way all the four fourteen mics are. Um, what what am I looking for? Uh, there's two two different capsules you get in the EB, and the first run was the C12 capsule, uh, which is the brass one. And then, without telling anybody, they they change capsules to make a cheaper version, which is basically the nylon capsule. So how, uh, how how can I tell visually? The only way you probably either, either pull the mic apart or shine a flashlight into the the grill and you you'll see it. You'll see if it's uh, either it white. <laughs> yeah, I'm not pulling it apart. No, don't do that. Well, there's one on Reverb.com, which is a used audio gear uh, repository here for selling yep. your gear. Doesn't mean that this mic will sell for this, but uh, someone in New York has the mic that um, Robert has, the CK12. For thirty four ninety nine, that's thirty five hundred oh, US. Christ, I have no yeah. idea. Um, the hoop is definitely brass, and the whole thing is golden looking. Yeah. So is the that, capsule, the capsule's brass. That's the that's the expensive one. That's the C twelve capsule. All right. So, this one's going in its case now. Yeah. <laughs> Hold the podcast while Robert changes mic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. Robert uses this as a talkback mic, folks. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's right. Not anymore. You know, it's, it's been uh, sitting on the piano in the studio. It, it's it's. I use it on vocals. I, I love it to be honest. But it's just it been great? this mic that I just. I mean, you can throw this thing in front of anything, to be honest. It's a just, great mic. Yeah, yeah, but don't throw it. Damn, don't you should have offered him 500 <laughs> bucks before you told him. Ah. <laughs> exactly. All right, so we're talking about the AKG C414EB and compare it to the uh, 416. See what you think of the C414EB P48, a vintage mic from 1983. Is the Sennheiser 416, 416, 416, whichever way you like to say it. More bottom on the 414. I mm. like the 414. I listen to the 416. I, I think it sounds nice. Then I listen to the 414 and I go, Ooh. ah, yes. That's, all that's, that's all that sibilance goes away. Yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah. got more beef to it, more like, mm, yeah. Like, yeah. I'm using that microphone right now, actually, and um, but I'm running it through an LA610, and mm-hmm. I've just given it a, a bit of a boost of on the 10K, about th- plus 3 dB, just to give it a bit of mm-hmm. top end, that's all. But yeah, it's, I think it sounds great. I, I think it's exactly that. Like the 416 definitely had more edge to it, but it was like almost like maybe that was too much edge, and then you hear the 414, you're like, hmm, like mellower, but still right there and present. And then it had that extra bottom that just kind of made it like rounded and really real and and, and just just right there for you. I, I liked it better than the 416. And mm. funny enough, I'll say this, it might be easier to work with if you're trying to change the sound more. Mm-hmm. It'd be harder to make the 416 not sound like a 416 or yeah. not like get rid of that edge that it imparts. Yeah, I agree with that. I was going to say too, if you, um, for me, if I was going to do an audio book or something like that, that's less fatiguing on the ears from the ones we've listened to so far, that would easily be my go-to. 
I was, yeah, I was going to say, like, you know, we talked earlier about how the 416 works so great because of the way it cuts in a mix. But when you're hearing a mic in a vacuum, you know, without anything else, you don't want necessarily that. Mm, right. Um, and a mic that's smoother and fuller, um, less bright, but still has articulation, you know, is, is definitely great for audiobooks or anything where it's just a voice or in a vacuum mm-hmm. and you're just having, you know. It doesn't sound like anything's missing from it. No, but it, right. it also doesn't sound like it's like overly pushed like that. Yeah, I think you nailed it though. The, yeah, you're right. There's nothing missing. I think that's that's a great way to put it. Je- now, Jeff, you had to play around with this microphone as well. You, you really liked this one, didn't you? I did. It, it, again, the bass was a little bit hype compared to some of the other ones, but I, I just kept coming back to feeling that it was the most natural. And again, I keep coming back to that was my point of comparison to the Rode NT and... Uh, Gene Audio JA87 and your Gefell M930. But they all had a little bit more or less with the hype. So I kept coming back to the AKHA going, well, that seems to be the most common ground for me to, again, A, B back to. The low end is so easily, so easy to control mm-hmm. with good mic technique on that mic. You know, you back up an inch or two inches and you've just you've just adjusted the low end there, there's so many different 414s but one thing about it you know comparing it to something like the 416 is um you know you got four polar patterns you got a couple of high passes yep. you got a pad on it you got a excuse me i just took my windscreen away um but it's a probably a more flexible mic you know you want to kind of get towards that shotgunny thing and you got the hypercardioid pattern you know a lot of bang for your buck in there with a lot of quality to the sound but you've also got to be a bit mindful of which C414 you get because they um, they certainly vary, don't they? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's the transformerless ones at the end of the run, which I've actually used those a lot too, and those are pretty sweet, I think. Is that TL- the XL2? The TL2, I think it was. I don't know about yeah. the XL2. The XL2 is the one that had the electronic switch for the pa- patterns instead of the, right. I think, the mechanical switch. So there's so many 414s. I mean, you're talking yeah. about the ULS, the EB, the XL2, and or the TL2 and then the XL. I'll tell you, in terms of value proposition, again, I'm on I'm on reverb because this just seems to keep coming up as a source for selling mics. That's consistent. Um, the one that Andrew's the sample you're hearing is the C414 EBP48. That has the nylon capsule available, used right here for about 800 bucks. The one that um, Robert has, which has the more desirable quote unquote brass capsule coming in at 3500 jeez you know it's it's there's a four times better sounding no way no can't possibly no be. it's not but you know there's certain mics that become coveted just because mm-hmm. um because they are rare because they got replaced early on in their production and they're just straight up rare you know and or, or because someone did some vocal on it and that was the one you know right it's, yeah. it's exactly. funny to see people trying to chase the uh the u47s and i, f- I forget it was those had originally they had a mylar capsule and everyone wants those, but those are I think I think the issue with those is that the capsules don't last. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and exactly. then even when even if you have one that's a super vintage one, it's probably all dried out and messed up. So it doesn't mm-hmm. sound like it did when it you know, it's like the original X type of capsule. Right. What uh, does an original forty seven sound like? Well you have to listen to uh Frank Sinatra. <laughs> yeah. yeah, basically. But the thing you gotta be careful of, and this happened to me with this microphone because I did what other people do and went, Oh, that'd be really nice to have. I paid too much for this microphone. Um and then when I got it, the level was like his output was shocking. 
And um, so it turned out that uh, not only did I pay too much for the microphone, I then had to pay even more money to have all the um, caps replaced. And uh, But having said that, um, I won't sell it, and it sounds pretty damn good. And the good thing was yeah. the, cap, the, the actual capsule, when, I, when it was pulled apart, was like brand new, so... It was yeah, just the age re- that resputtered and everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In the end, you know, you did maybe felt like you overpaid, but you have a mic you're going to love and keep for a long time. So yeah, that's the only thing about buying old mics. You've got to be mindful of that. So sure. based on uh, what we're yeah. hearing, we're um, how do we rate this one? We think this is pretty good. Yeah, I'm. I'd be happy with that for for eight hundred bucks. Basically, less than the four sixteen. Mm. We're talking about yeah. used less than the four sixteen. Yeah, I think it even you know quality and value kind of. And and George, what's the current or even you know like it might be a like a two fourteen is the cardioid supposed version of these four fourteen lineage. That's like a what a four hundred dollar mic, I think. I can tell you, I've heard a lot of them because they're you know a good value. They're you know they're not expensive, but people want to have that C four, four, you know, fourteen, 14 sound, level yeah. mic. and they're they're quite a bit brighter. I mean, all, all of the more modern four sixteen four fourteen sorry are definitely brighter. So if you compare a 214 to it, it's not going to sound the same. But yeah, I mean, at that price range, it's very fair. Um, if you find one for seven or $800, um, you're looking for a mic like that, it's really hard to pass it up. I, I, yeah. if, there's not another mic in this test that sounds like it. And this is the one that, to me, it checks all the boxes. So it's, I love it. I, you, I can't go wrong with that one. Yeah, and I, I think it's probably fairly tough too. I mean, AKG makes a good product. I don't, I don't. It is a large diaphragm, so I think that makes it maybe a little less road worthy than a shotgun. Yeah, yeah. But not, you know. I don't know if I'd buy a vintage mic and then travel and with travel it. with I it. Think yeah. that would be a little <laughs> foolish. You know. I think is the word. You, well, well, you can travel yeah. in like a prop plane, then it's more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. Okay. Well, the next microphone we've got is um, down at the bottom end of the price range, around about 250 bucks. Uh, it's the Rode NT1. So let's have a listen to the NT1 with the 416. Okay. Our next microphone is the NT1, which is the latest edition, the one that's black. Is the Sennheiser 416, 416, 416, whichever way you like to say it. That's close. So no interesting close. close. That is close, man. Absolutely. I mean, I I think maybe there's a little bit of maybe a little bit of more high end, just slightly. I mean, we're talking about like two decibels, or not even like mm. in the high end. But I think those in things the four one six, right? In the four one six, yeah. But really close. And and I, I'm guessing we're talking about a, a good four hundred dollar price difference, right? Uh, more. We're talking about two hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah. Two hundred fifty so, bucks to a thousand, so so eight seven hundred dollar, eight hundred dollar price difference. And does the road have toys like high pass filters and polar patterns? Uh, no, it has nothing. No, no change. You can't change any of the polar patterns or anything. But what it does, this is the interesting thing. It comes with um, a shock mount, which is a Rycote shock mount, and uh, the pop filter, which clicks into the um, front of the shock mount. It's yeah, so it's, interesting because it's like, I would imagine the Rode is probably more forgiving off-axis than the 416, definitely. yet it sounded so 416-like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And anytime you have a cardioid, off-axis response is far smoother. The 416 off-axis response looks bizarre. Like a it comb. looks like a comb. Literally like <laughs> a comb. Um, and uh, you can't go off-axis with that, Mike. So I'm really That's impressive. impressive with the one, yeah. one. I, I, they have 
that mic has gone through several iterations of its of, of its own, right? It started as NT1, then the NT1A, and they went back to the NT1 model name. I guess they just don't mess with success. We want to go back to the original name, and they revoiced it again. And uh, yeah, they What's, I'd say they nailed it. And that Rycote shock mount, I've bought that mic shock mount and recommended it to many people. It's a what they call a liar based shock mount, and it yeah. doesn't use elastics. They don't wear out. And, it, and it's a very effective design, and it's universal. You can shove all kinds of mics in that shock mount. Um, what, what's the gain difference like in this thing compared to the 416, like as far as how far it traveled to go to, you know, normalization? Was it the same? Did, did you mess around with the grace with that, or was it pretty much like, you know, no, no, the, apples I, to apples? Yep. I just didn't touch the gain at all with the NT1. Yeah. Jay, Jeff, what's the, uh, what's the you know, the, the journey it took on is the, the... This um, is the unnormalized file. Between the two, NT1 and the 416. Our next microphone is the NT1, which is the latest edition, the one that's black. Is the Sennheiser 416, My God. 416. Whoa. They are so similar. Jesus. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. George, let me ask you this then, hearing that. If you were setting up a, a home studio for a voiceover artist who loved the sound of the 416, but probably, you know, sort of was constantly getting told you need to stay on more, you need to stay on more, we can hear your head moving, blah, 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 would you point him in that direction then after hearing that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, absolutely. I so mean, this the, is eye-opening. <laughs> the NT1, you know, I've heard on some female voices. The NT1A has been, I've heard on many female voices with not so great, uh, with really sibilant issues, sibilance being really bad sometimes. The NT1, you know, is smoother. It's still going to be sibilant on some voices, but some voices are simply sibilant. Mm. Um, and and that's just how it is. And, yeah. and mm-hmm. you know, the NT1 is going to sound really good where a 416 may not work as well for some people. Yeah, because of that ability to be a little more re- relaxed on the placement. And the 416, you know, because it is super cardioid, um, it has a weird back node. So it it picks up stuff behind it that people never would have imagined it would pick up. Whereas this mic doesn't have that because it's cardioid. So it worked better in a situation where maybe there's a, something hard and reflective behind the mic, like a display or something. So, one, one thing yeah. one thing is that the uh, the the four sixteen probably has a greater proximity effect, being that hyper super hyper cardioid patterns. You can I wanted to mention you can probably that. play it more. You know, you I, can, I tell you. You know, Robert, I wanted to mention that because I don't believe that it does. And here's the 416 doesn't. Yeah, here's why I don't think it does. Like if you put that mic up next to another hypercardioid that's not a shotgun, absolutely. Like the like the uh, the first sample we had of the 414 that um, Andrew sent us was hyper was on hypercardioid, and it had quite a bit more low end hype on it. And the thing about the 416 is the capsule is. Not sitting at back. the front of the mic. Yeah, it's, it's about six there. inches from the front of the mic. So right. even when you eat that mic, you're still five or six inches away from the capsule. So you never really get that big bump yeah. in proximity effect. You know, That shows you the reach it has because most people are playing the mic five, six inches from the tip of the mic itself. And then the capsule is another four or five inches into the mic. Right. So you're sitting 10 inches back from the capsule, which means that most people are playing the 416 farther away than, say, a, a large diaphragm mic. It, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it's, it's fascinating. But yeah, I, I, I have, this, is, this has really given me a newfound respect for the NT1. I mean, I've, mm-hmm. I've known it to be a good mic, but to hear it in this context, 
I mean, really actually, actually, under that in, in that theory, you could actually play the NT1 more for its proximity effect because you can actually yeah. get closer to the diaphragm and yeah, you know. That's right. So, Jeff, is it kind of mic you would use in your situation of music? Yes, I just think that the the mic would be a go to mic for me because it's flatter characteristics that the AKG has, but a little bit more hype, but still musical to me. It's about the only way I can explain it. I can't yeah. put it into technical terms. Makes sense. I wouldn't be overly hyped on sibilance or anything like that. Yeah. But for the most part, it's 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 all there. You've you've got you know something ranging from probably forty hertz up to a good eighteen k. I don't know what its real response is, but pretty much the full range with a with a bump up in the top in the middle top. It definitely had less edge than the, than the four sixteen. I it mean, did. in a musical yeah. way. So yeah. that's what I liked about it. Yeah. I mean, you'd almost pick it before the four sixteen. I'm guessing. I would. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, interesting. I will. Ah, I agree with all of you. I, I don't think I've... That's why I've been so quiet with this one. I don't think I've got any more to add. You guys have nailed exactly what I would say. That's not fair. Yeah. <laughs> it's never fair with Robbo. <laughs> and, and, can, and, and, and can you pound a nail into a board with this mic? Pretty well. Oh, yeah. Pretty well. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's pretty rock solid. Um, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a hefty unit. I'm looking at a picture of its uh, innards, and even the capsule itself... Is mounted on the road or on the Rycote Lyre suspension. It's shock mounted, just built in. Yeah, yeah, it's actually sitting on the exact same kind of Lyre suspension. You know, the question itself. is, how do they do it for two hundred and fifty bucks? Amazing. Yeah, well, if you've seen the videos of the factory in Sydney, you'll probably um, work out how they do it because they've got huge amounts of numbers and um, it's all computerized. Which is the other thing. If for, for someone like Jeff, if you wanted a match pair of mics. You're pretty well guaranteed that if you get two NT1s, they're going to match. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I, as you know, I'm, I'm building a voice booth here. And I, I, to be honest with you, I, I, I was going to keep the 41.6 in here for me for doing my podcasting stuff and, and get a new mic for, um, for the missus who'll be using the voiceover booth. And I was going to get another 41.6, but I, <laughs> I think I've changed my mind now after hearing that. You're, now, now you're going to get yourself an, a road and an iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Okay, our next microphone is uh, one from Microtech Gefell. This one um, is actually a limited edition, so I'm not really sure what they did that was different from the standard M930. They just didn't make as many of them. This probably exactly that. It's a different <laughs> colour, yes. And put it in a different um, box. <laughs> exactly. Um, but it is, the MT, uh, it is the M930 Art. There is also an M930T, which is the one that's got a transformer, I think, from memory. Mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, this is the M930 Art. Uh, we should compare it with um, the 416. It's a limited edition Microtech Gefell M930 Art. Uh, once again, running through the M101 from Grace Design. No compression and no EQ is the Sennheiser 416, 416, 416, whichever way you like to say it. Whoa. Another another close one. I think yeah. maybe a little bit more bottom in that gefell, maybe? Not I know sure. that Jeff, Jeff really liked this one. Um, what are your feelings when you compare it with the 416? You know, I've done a little bit more research since I've had more time to really dive into the mics, and I found the 930 just a little bit hypey, and I know we talked about that. And it could be a really great thing for some scenarios, but 
I'm only comparing it to your voice, Andrew, and I just felt that maybe it brought out a little too much of the sibilance and too much of the edge in an unpleasant way versus where I heard you on the 414 and even on the road, NT1. It just got a little too much like somebody turned on the exciter button, which is not bad in some situations. Yeah. Is it, it me or, or was there a little bit more low end in that Gefell? Just a tiny bit than the 416. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Okay. It's interesting the way that microphone gets used. Um, I know that uh, Jack Douglas uses M930s as room mics. Uh, They've been used on piano, acoustic guitar. And the other strange thing, well, maybe it's not strange, they're um, through radio in Europe, like the big Swedish national broadcaster, every on-air microphone is an M930. Really? That I I get. Mm. Because one, isn't that mic very compact? Yes, it is. It's a very small body. And two, it does sound like a good radio mic to me. It has that forward mid-range. It sounds like a very high-fidelity dynamic mic. I mean, I would, mm-hmm. it's not I dynamic, though. They say it, but... Right? That's a condenser. That's kind of what it sounds like to me. And, and, and yeah. um, you know, it's, it's pleasing in the right situation, but I agree completely with Jeff that I, I thought it was a little too far mid-range forward to, for my ears. Um and f- so for that reason, it didn't favor as well to me as the 414 or the NT1, but it was and, pretty darn close. Hearing it yeah. now, I'm going, whoa, it's actually closer to the 416 than I It's very close remember. to the 416. I mean, and the, que- the, the question then is, where is it price-wise to the 416? I think it's probably more. Uh, yes, it is. I, I think in America, they sell for around about 1500 US dollars. So, so it's about 500 to- more. Yeah. Well, 500 yeah. of that is the stripe of pearl gold. Oh, that's mine. Yes, you pay more right. for that. It was around and, the center of the mic as I'm reading here on Recording Hacks. Yeah. Does it, does it, is it basically just a cardioid only or what's, what's it, yeah. what other goodies? Cardioid only. The, the standard one is, is in uh, element, you know, sort of uh, silver. And I think they sell for about 1500 The uh, I'm not sure with the, the art what they're selling for because they, they only did 80 of them. So I don't know. I think it was about close to 2000 when they when they were released in 2008 so so basically you know comparing it to the 416 bang for the buck not so much of a a difference for your money there they they sound very similar um i'm guessing that you know that being a gefell it's got a very respectable noise floor and all that so uh yeah so you wouldn't buy it for the value price proposition you'd buy it more for the it just it's not a sennheiser 416 it's a good fella. It's you know, it's like it's <laughs> yeah. like it's like the Corvette's just as fast, but I'd like to drive a Porsche. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah in a no, straight line. A <laughs> in, a, in a straight line. That's very true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're gonna get a whole another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you want to hear your comparison, Robert, uh, with the without with the, the normalization on it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah let's yeah, do please. that. Okay. It's a limited edition Microtech Gefell M930 Art. Is the Sennheiser 416, 416, 416, whichever way you like to say it. Mm-hmm. So I'm basically, the Microtech's got bottom. Yeah, yeah and and it's got more gain to it. Yeah, it the, does, uh, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. markedly. The, the Gefell's probably got a better noise floor than the 416. Yeah, yeah. So, what do you think? Do you think it's a it'd be good as a voiceover mic? I mean, I'd say, I'd say much so. argument there. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, definitely yeah. a good voiceover mic. I know voice mm. actors who use and love it, not just because of its sound, but also of its design, because it's because the body of the mic is so small, 
it just makes it easy to place it and you know it's just not as ungangly to deal with it's lighter you can put it on a small boom arm and you know in your booth and it's just not going to block the copy as much there's a lot of practical reasons that i think it would be good too yeah it's actually mm. physically smaller than the 414 yeah, mm. yeah. I, I think it's similar in size to the neumann tlm 102 that's their okay their baby neumann and yeah. it's got a very small body as well but very different sound i mean the 102 is very very bottom heavy if you got the wherewithal um absolutely you know a very nice sounding mic yeah cer- certainly in the same range as the 416 and and uh and and the road <laughs> it's kind of like a smoother version of the 4 416 mm. yeah. yeah yeah i have to agree yeah. mm-hmm. it's fair yeah. Next microphone. Now, this one's a bit of an odd one because um, we wanted to get something that was kind of like a U87. Uh, from what I gather from feedback I've got and read, that the JA87 from Gene Audio is pretty close to a U87. So that's why we chucked it in the mix, just to get an idea of that style of microphone. So let's have a listen to the Gene Audio JA87 and compare it with the 416. <laughs> This one comes from Melbourne company Gene Audio. It's called the JA87. Now, by all accounts, it's actually not too dissimilar to uh, an authentic U87AI. Is the Sennheiser 416, 416, 416, whichever way you like to say it. It's almost like we're going in order of character. Like yeah. as we go down the list, each mic seems to have a bit more character for for lack of a better word you know it's mm-hmm. not a flat mic at all it's um it's definitely less hyped up than the 416 much less hyped, it'd be interesting it? to hear that it'd be interesting to hear that compared to the 414 as it, that was my note exactly it's very similar to the c414 slightly less bottom and uh less low end hype can you do that yeah yes yes of course See what you think of the C414EB P48, a vintage mic from 1983. This one comes from Melbourne company Gene Audio. It's called the JA87. Bit more bottom end on it's, the 414, is yeah. that what I'm hearing? Yeah. Yes, that's what you hear. But, but uh, there's something pleasing. Yeah. There, there's something very pleasing about the Gene Audio, I think. It's a little bit um, kind of maybe boring in a way, but it's not... Uh, I, I, doesn't sound like it'd be hard to work with at all, mm. you know? Mm. Um, Interesting thing about that, Mike, I, I left it with a studio in Melbourne who use um, U87s. And they were pretty close. In fact, we used it. We were doing a campaign where I always used a U87 for the voiceover for these TV ads. And we did a swap and we used that, that Gene Audio for one of the sessions. And it was so close to uh, an U87 AI. There was mm-hmm. just a little bit more, I think, a little bit more brittleness in the top. That was about the only difference. And, you know, and I usually associate the U87 with a fairly dark microphone. I always think it, I always think it's the wrong microphone for someone working in Australia because Australians have a nasal accent and that mm-hmm. thing has a real honk in what that sort of mid-range. What are you talking about? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Come on, my It does have a, that, That's the word I'm looking for or thinking of is honk. It's got a bit of a honk to me that yeah. seems a little bit peaky. But I mean, I, well, I mean... As you said, it it is very much like a U87, and the U87, I mean, there's several different U87s too, but mm-hmm. if you're talking about the more modern one, the AI, it's a, yeah, it's a little bit, a little bit of a mid-range honk to it, and that's the reason I don't like it that much. That's the reason why I don't like the U87 all that much, all the time. But as an engineer who knows how to EQ, how to EQ everything is there, 
You know, there's no holes in the response. It's very smooth. Mm -hmm. And you could very much sculpt it to be what you want. And then the value proposition on that mic. What's, What's the price point on that? Well, I don't know whether he's still making them, um, but yeah. they were selling for a thousand Australian, so about seven hundred and fifty wow. euros. Had, again, I had to use the word, but it sounds flat. I think the best word used here is workable. Yeah, my notes here when I was listening through the files when Andrew sent them the other day, I've written down a blank slate. So I, I've obviously heard that mm-hmm. too. You know, it's just sort of it's a palette ready to be painted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what is it about the eighty-seven? Why you know you said earlier like the New York mic is the U eighty-seven and the four one six is the LA mic. U eighty sevens are everywhere here as well. What is it about the U eighty seven that made them so desirable for the human voice? I think it got there first, so to speak. Yeah. Um, it, it, I mean, it's it's a venerable mic. There's just no doubt about it. If there's anything that's an industry standard, certainly in voiceover, other than the four sixteen, it's the it seems to be the U eighty seven. You know, it's. Uh, it, I don't. Yeah, it just it was there at the right time. It was the mic to go to. It was obviously being Phantom Power more practical than the U67. No, I, I have a client with a 67. If, wow, it is something else. I understand why those things are quite pricey. But talk, talking <laughs> about U87s, though, uh, Jeff, you would have been using those back in the 70s, I'm guessing, at Sound City. Mm-hmm. I wasn't the engineer at that point, but I do remember them being the go-to mic. Because it just works, right? Because it's just mm-hmm. flexible. I, it's undeniable. I mean, I've heard of that mic being used on every instrument in the studio, kick drum, toms, overheads, room mics, orchestra mics, piano, everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 414s mean- were a common denominator back then as well, like especially on pianos or overheads on drums. You know, when anywhere you needed that extra top end, there was a 414 sort of hanging around. Compared to the 87, which was a little bit darker, warmer, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, warmer, sure. That's, 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 that's my recollection of it, yeah. One thing I haven't seen an 87s on is overhead, really. That's not that common. But, um, Room mics, I've heard of that a lot. Yeah, it's it it is kind of like like that in in front of the drum kit mic. It's used for that. I've seen that quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of an expense. I mean, the other reason why sometimes you don't see certain mics in certain places is because like I don't think someone's going to get their U eighty seven too close to a drummer with a sticks flying. <laughs> right. Um, ask there's question. practical reasons. Yeah, there's yeah. practical reasons. Yeah. I have. I mean, I've, I've heard it used as a kick drum mic, which I'm like, wow, really. Yeah. <laughs> You but, got a lot of mics when that ends up. But a dark mic on overheads is not unheard of because, because like mm-hmm. you know the Coles, uh, what is it? The forty thirty eight is the Coles ribbon, which is not bright, and that's a very popular. Well, I was going to ask you. Someone mentioned that they'd heard of a U eighty seven used on a snare. Did someone say that? Jeez, brave person. No. Oh, okay, I um, thought I heard someone say that because I was going. Uh, my question was going to be: Wouldn't you be looking? Not being a music engineer, wouldn't you be looking for something with a bit more sort of crack? You know what I mean? That sort of and not so big. I mean, you're trying to get into a yeah. tight spot with a snare, and you got that big, yeah. huge eighty-seven. Yeah. I mean, that's something to say about the four fourteen. It, it's it's going to get in there a little bit better than the eighty-seven. Um, but talk about strange mics in strange places. I saw a music engineer take a PZM mic, put it on a stand, and point it at a hi hat. Huh? Weird. PZMs are those um, super flat mics. Yeah, like room mic. It's like you put it on a wall and turn the whole wall into a microphone. Mm. Is the idea mm. with the PZM? Um, I. I was an intern at the time, so I don't know how it worked out for the guy, but it was a pretty big studio, and he seemed pretty uh, knowledgeable about what he was doing. He got fired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a guy, There's a guy. you'll have to Google this. This would be a fun little, uh, yeah, little uh, needle in a haystack. There's a guy in uh, Maryland who did, built a custom one-inch two-track tape analog machine 
Jesus. And he custom modified a pair of PZMs and he records entire bands that way. Mm-hmm. He has the room that he has tuned the way he wants it. He puts the musicians where he wants them and he does albums that he releases himself under his own label. Sure. And that's how he records. And it's so cool to hear bands like even like a reggae band recorded this way. It's just something so interesting about it. Maybe this could be part of our voiceover suit. We just have a PZM stuck to your forehead. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> or the roof of your mouth. Problem solved. The contact mic out. on you. <laughs> 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 the <laughs> cars today. <laughs> the voiceover suit. Uh, yeah, one more it. mic, right? We got to do it. One yeah, more to go. There, one. Which, which is which is perfect actually because you were talking about you know U87s and um, U67s. Um, the last one is another Microtech Cafel. It's the M92.1S. It has the EF86 tube or valve. Oh, cool. Um, EF86, it, yep. And it also has the original M7 capsule. So it's basically a modern version of a UM57. So let's check that out along with the 416. Uh, it's the M92.1S. It has the M7 capsule, which is a very historic capsule. In fact, it's pretty well um, an updated version of the UM57. Is the Sennheiser 416, 416, 416, whichever way you like to say it. And there's your winner. That thing is great sounding. You hear the yeah. 416, that top end stuff that we're always talking, talking about, Just don't like, you? Oh, man. It's just like, yeah, wow. That yeah, that, that, um, that, that Microtech was nice sounding for sure. It's weird. My, I'm looking at their frequency curve, the response curve on recording hacks. It is anything but smooth. Um, it's, I mean, I'm assuming that this is a, an appropriate or, or accurate representation of its curve, but it's bumpier than you can... It's got little jaggedy lines all the way through it. In the mid-range? In the mid-range. Yeah. And then it starts to roll off. Um, it has a little bit of a dip in the, in the nasal... In like the 300 range. And then after that, it starts to just gently slope off. And I, and I noticed that, it, yeah, it's, it doesn't have a rich low end to it. Um, doesn't have that 414, 414, 414 uh, <laughs> tone in the low end that the others one, other ones do. And I think I get a little bit too enamored with that low end. But to me, it just, it's not as flattering to me. Just not as flattering. I thought it sounded pretty nice. Compared to the 416, I thought it sounded yeah. better, personally. I don't this know is a very devi- This is a very, uh, not divisive, it's, I don't know if that's the word, but this is one that's very got a lot of character Deceptive. to it. And I think you like it, yeah, I think you like it or you don't. I don't know. Mm. Mm. I like it. You want to hear it yeah. for a second? Yeah, let's yeah, do yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, it's the M92.1S. It has the M7 capsule, which is a very historic capsule. Is the Sennheiser 416, 416, 416? Pretty close. Very close. Yeah, gain-wise, pretty close. I, I, it's funny because, like, you know, not looking at pictures, just I felt that the 416 sounded more messed with, more peaked out, more shaped, and the uh, that Microtech to me sounded just more pleasing, more rounded out or something mm-hmm. but 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 not that it was dull or in any place it just sort of like like if i had to guess between the two i would say that the microtech would be easier to work with and easier to put into more places mm-hmm. 
It's an interesting microphone, and in fact, if you spend time on gear sluts, um, this that microphone gets a lot of mentions. In fact, it's probably people say it's one of the, if not the best, vocal microphone around. Is, is this like a lollipop mic? Is that the one that it is? No, no, that's the yeah. CMV. But it's it's right. got, in fact, the new version of the CMV um, five six three, I think, uh-huh. uh, has the EF eighty six capsule. Yeah, has the M seven capsule. Just the electronics are slightly different, and of course, having the different grill is going to change the right. the way yeah, the microphone it's, it's works. True. But um, so, what, what do you reckon, I, I, Jeff? You were sort of in two minds about that microphone, weren't you? Well, my note says it was heavy in the mid range and it lacked fidelity compared to me running an order with the four fourteen and then the JA eighty seven and then listening to that. Would you mind if I did that real quick just to hear sure. those three in a row? See what you think of the C414EBP48. This one comes from Melbourne company Gene Audio. Uh, it's the M92.1S. Hear that hump in the upper mid-range? Yeah. yeah but I like it. Yeah, I, I got to say, I kind of like that, that microtech. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's got character. I mean, it, sure. yeah, it just, it works. It, I mean, um, value proposition. <laughs> what, what is that thing, like three grand? Well, I'm looking at a U.S. dealer. It's around 3,500 U.S. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, it's more expensive so it's, than I thought. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's up there. It's, it's U87 territory. Uh, maybe a little more, I guess. I'd personally buy that before U87, but hey. And is it multi? F- is it fixed pattern or multi pattern? Fixed. Fixed, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The, the UM is the multi pattern, and the M is the fixed cardioid. So you know, gotcha. you know what we can take from that price point is when AP turns around and tells us he's a struggling voiceover artist, we can sort of go, <laughs> <laughs> "Yeah, right." <laughs> <laughs> It was a slightly ridiculous uh, <laughs> when I when I said I'd just use the microphones I've got here that I own. It was a bit silly, wasn't it? Really? <laughs> <laughs> just don't tell the wife. Yeah. <laughs> Dead man walking. Would you Would you like to drive a car? Or <laughs> yeah, that's right. Just tell yeah. tell her what. Don't tell her what currency. Yeah, yeah, that's quite a, a bit place. less than pounds. <laughs> Honey, I bought a new car. It's parked in the studio. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. In dirhams. <laughs> well, t- I mean, you know, we we bantered around the U sixty seven, which was just re released six seven nine nine nine. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So and and does it use an EF eighty six? Because I my understanding is they don't make those anymore. So everyone's like scrounging around in boxes. They swear up and down that that mic is part for part. I had B's knees. I don't know if uh, he's, he's an Australian mic maker. And he, yeah. yeah. I, I had a U87 that was so shot that we decided that the best thing to do with it was to basically gut it and turn it into a 67. And the big difference with the KK87 and the KK67 capsule is a little bit more space because of the extra voltage that the tubes put onto that capsule compared to the phantom power. And so he made the first mic with an EF86. And um, it was a good mic. It the build quality was problematic, and so it went back to him. And then he built it again, and I don't know what tube he used, but he used the same tube that Peluso uses in the P67. And I got to say, you know, I, I couldn't do an AB comparison, but and, and he, I was like, no, no, don't, don't change the mic. I want it to be a 67. And he's like, trust me, you're going to like it better. Um, and I do remember getting the mic back, and I'm like, yeah, it's cleaner, basically, was, was what it was. It was just similar tube. And, and there's guys that know everything about these tubes, but um, 
just better noise floor with the same characteristics. And I'm not sure what tube that is that they're using in that Peluso 67, but I think it's a common tube that's sort of your EF86 replacement, maybe, that, that mm. you can still get your hands on more common, more, you know? I thought the EF86 was the easier one to get. I don't think so. Yeah. I think the EF86 is the one from the 60s, and, and it, it was... Uh, like like the one that you can't like like there's a couple of really like the new vista new vista what what do you call those like like some of the tubes you can't get at all anymore and that's what makes some of these um you know well this safe. says according to guitarcenter.com it's built with the KK67 and the EF86 so they must be remaking those tubes i guess yeah so the KK67 oh, yeah. the KK87 are nearly the same it's just a distance Physical I, distance. Know, I when when this was released, I was at Nam the Nam trade show here in LA, and I re, I did a video with the rep, you know, and he, he said, you know what, the tubes, not as much of the sound characteristic as people give them hmm. credit for. He, Maybe he, that was his opinion. It was really more about the transformer in terms of coloring. sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd agree um, with that. Transformers are notorious for, and that's why you know some of those transformerless microphones, and they're they're so airy and um uh, uh, there's been a couple of transformers like mics that i've actually really liked yeah oh and by the way while i'm doing all this googling i was wrong on the price i I think robert was right 699.9 about seven grand us not eight sorry about that Um, that's still the u67 well if you look at the microtech cmv 563 i think they're um they'll be up sort of in the fives and sixes us dollars i'm guessing yeah yeah. Well, I have a client with two 67s, two U667s. One was refurbed with a new power supply. One's totally original. And um, they take their turns going back and forth to, to the, the shop. mic tech yeah. up in Burbank that I that we use. Um, yeah. They're flaky. Um, yeah. So what did we do? We went and got a P67. That's the Peluso Robert was talking about. It's pretty dang close um, for about 22 or 2100. And um, but they don't look the same, and the reason why is because Peluso was not allowed to replicate the head basket. Yeah, that's right. Roman's got a patent gonna, on that. Yeah, they had to re. The, I spoke to a rep, and he said it took them a very long time to get the head basket design on the P67 because I had to have a distinctly different shape, but still sound the same. And he said that was very hard. Everything else was not hard. That took them a long time. I don't know how Flea are getting away with it with their M49. It's identical. That's, to that's it, a good it? question. Yeah, I mean, yeah. people are making bodies for these kits to go into that the they look exactly the same, or the wonder looks exactly the same too. Yeah, it's um, it is interesting. Yeah, I um, well, there, there's a, a warm audio. You guys yep. know that company? Mm-hmm. Yep, they're yep. doing the warm the WA87. Yep, yep. Um, and they, their stuff comes at a stupendously low price point, I believe. Yeah, the, they're really big about big on the value. I think they're yeah. you, the the warm audio 87, which is designed to be vintagey more like an older 87 um yeah is, uh, around seven eight hundred dollars i have had um i've never touched or used a piece of warm gear but i've talked to many an engineer and to be honest the opinion i've heard more often than not is looks like does not sound like right said gear that it is right. looking to like same thing with their 1176 and their, yeah um uh, Hadn't heard that, but I, I, that doesn't surprise me that much. I mean, the R&D has to go somewhere. I mean, you can make a great piece of gear that sounds good at the price, but if you're trying to really replicate something, that's extremely expensive to do. 
Yeah, I, I think mean, you, you you either get all those components and you replicate it, or you try to cut corners, and then probably something's going to happen unless you do a significant amount of R and D, and like Peloso did to sort of do a modern take on a old thing and still keep true to it, really true to it. The trouble is, of course, if you talk like 1176s, they're so old now, I, I guarantee if you got 10 they all sound originals, they'd all be different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so absolutely. It's, it's like, you know, the Jeff's Slate audio. I mean, yeah. the U87 yeah, start, in Slate. Start putting differences into them. Yeah. Well, that's been intriguing, guys. That was a lot of fun. That was well worth doing. Yeah, but the conclusion is, have we got one? I mean, what is our favourite mic? Do you know what? For me, I, I still come back to horses for courses. I, I still think, you know, I think we've shown that there's, you know, 416, as we talked about for radio imaging, you know, it d- has everything that I want. I think the guys, Robert and Jeff, have sort of said that there's other mics in there that have the characters they want. They want. So it sort of probably still a bit horses for courses. It, uh, would I be right? Yeah. I mean, what, what I took away from it was very impressed with that road sounding very 416-like. Yeah. Um, it confirms my opinion that the 416 just has that cut that just sort of works out of the box without having to mess with too much. And some of the other mics, while they might be more pleasing and probably more workable, like you can put them in more places, they probably make take more time to work with and get them in the right place in a sort of post-production context, maybe not a music context. Um, and then the only other thing I took away from it was... Uh, it does kind of reaffirm my opinion that the 414 is a desert island mic, definitely. Mm. Yeah. George? If you had to have, if you had to have one. Yeah. I, um, coming away from the test, the one that floated to the, to the top for, for Andrew's voice here was the 414 EB. Um, the NT1, uh, very favorable. I mean, for bang for the buck. You cannot, That's the winner, that yeah. one's just an absolute winner here, bang for yeah. the buck. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Um, you know, so those are those are my favorites when compared to the 416. The NTG4 without the low end, low cut on, with the high boost on, so the low cut flat, but the high boost on, might be very 416-like. And uh, it would be interesting to hear that at some point, Andrew. You could send over a sample at some point. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, I think that one is also a very nice value for travelers. Um, that one of 416 stunt mic. So to me, those are the ones that really stand out, um, in my opinion. And Jeff, your conclusion. Well, I have to agree with George on the, the 414 and the NT1 as being the standout mics from this group of comparisons. And with your voice as being the common denominator, I'm on the line with the M930 being next and the, the JA87 being its competitor. Let me throw this question out there. Even after all that, would anyone still give AP a voiceover job? <laughs> <laughs> Not based on that, probably. <laughs> it proves that you can't fix it with a mic. That's right. <laughs> And I also say that uh, you can't, I mean, I, I think Andrew, you were alerted, alluded to another time about can, hearing the money of the mic. I, I I don't think you can. Yeah, I think we've disproved that a lot today. I, I don't yeah. think you can. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that, I think to me that that theory went away when more than once have I been on that MXL 1006 and people go, what mic is that? And it's like, it's a hundred dollar Chinese mic. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and people are like, it's really? crazy. I'm on that mic now, and it's not flat. 
I've got a little bit. Well, actually, I have a low end, low cut, and a little compression. And um, this is that C one thousand. What is? I'm sorry, the MXL one thousand six. That's what it sounds like. Completely, fully bypassed and flat. And um, so I'm so used to hearing it now through my processor. I'm kind of spoiled. Brings it up yeah. a little bit. Yeah, but uh, it's fantastic for its bang for the buck hundred dollars yeah i mean geez and probably now people are chucking them for 50 bucks you know because probably probably well the interesting thing from my point of view working from my studio here the clients that i deal with uh majority of them won the 416 and um and the other thing that was interesting was when i first grabbed the nt1 I didn't tell people what it was, but I sent it out to a few studios and said, what do you think of this? Obey or loved it, asked what it was, and couldn't believe it either. So hmm. That is a takeaway. The NT1 is definitely like, really? <laughs> yeah. 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 But I think the I think the everyone wanting the 416 things comes back to that conversation we've had a bunch of times now. People have just become so used to that sound that that's what you expect. And when you don't hear it, mm-hmm. when you open up that download, you go, well, hang on, what's wrong? I think yeah, it's, I think it's more. It's probably well laziness. I was going to say laziness. I was just that was exactly what I was going to say. Like engineers just want to put it in the mix yeah. and maybe compress it a little bit yeah. and don't even want to have to EQ it. That's right. Yeah. Just chuck it out. Yeah, it's the NS tens of microphones. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't sound good, yeah. but works. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's not really probably that fair to say. <laughs> I think it's probably true though. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, you I know. think you're on the money. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, th- I think you nailed it there. For sure. I think, I, I think the 416 sounds okay. I've never liked the NS10s, but I didn't mix on them back when everybody was mixing on them and then tune my ears to the way they sound. And You know what? So I don't know those speakers. So just, I've got I've got a pair of NS10s. I've got, you know, your stand, like talk about standards, you know, like your Genelec 1030s, NS10s, and I've got a pair of Dunlavy Sovereign 4s, which if you don't know what those are, you're talking about a six-foot pair of speakers with two 10-inches. Those two, mastering? Yeah, two four inches and a tweeter in the middle, all yeah. time aligned and mastering. Yeah, okay. So if you put a f- subwoofer on the N- on the NS tens, and you switch between the NS tens and the Dunlavies, the difference is much more hair splitting compared to the than than the Genelex, which is like holy cow! Like where'd all the high end go? Yeah, the, the Genelex are dark and kind of they got that low end, but it's kind of like that rubbery kind of low end. And then when you hear the other speakers, and again, the NS10s are helped here by a subwoofer, but it's like that, that tight low end. And it's and it's like, really? Like, you would you, you'd expect the Genelex to be more high end, or I shouldn't say high end, but yeah, there's definitely more distance between the Genelex yeah. and, and these $5,000 speakers and the... Uh, than the uh, NS10s and the $5,000 speakers. Well, there's a show for another day. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) exactly. Well, I reckon we've uh, covered a lot of microphone and Mm. microphones and a lot of ground. We should also say thank you to Jeff Silverman, our new panel operator. <laughs> yes. And a fine job too. Absolutely. See you next, see you next week. You're, a, you're officially a new panel member. <laughs> Thanks for staying up with us. I enjoyed it. Thank you for inviting me here. It was great. Great to have your feedback, Jeff. We really appreciate that and certainly appreciate your time. My pleasure. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of another Pro Audio Suite. Um, next show, we're probably going to do an AES special. And uh, following that, we'll do uh, a full rundown of our favorite road cases. But uh, for anyone who's been listening, um, Robbo, you've actually got the raw files of all the microphone testing we did. Yeah, I do. They're sitting here, sitting right here. So obviously, uh, what you've been listening to was sent over Source Connect now via Jeff. 
So what we might do, mate, is that uh, once we've done here, before we close the show, we might just well put all those all those raw files at the end and leave them unprocessed so everyone can make their own comparison. And no level changes, so it'd be as the output of the microphone? Completely as you sent them to me, straight off the mic, yeah. So the only one that's been um, given more gain was the Dynamic, the Procaster, because it was a Dynamic mic and I had to give it a bit of a crank. I think I probably upped it about, I'm not sure, about 5 dB, I think. Right. Um, it was quite a bit. But uh, anyway, that gives you an idea of the output of the microphones and how they sound completely raw and untouched. Mm, that was a lot of fun. That was really eye-opening, wasn't it? I think the interesting thing is that uh, I know that George has whispered in my ear during the show that uh, the NTG4, uh, he's going to be recommending that to all of his uh, clients for their road case, mm. which is very interesting. So mm. leave your 41.6 at home and take your NTG4. Uh, and I think everyone was blown away by the NT1. Yeah, I, that's that's the killer for me. Um, that's yep. the absolute killer. Yeah. So, you know, they've certainly punched way above their weight in this in this show, that's for sure. Absolutely. As far as uh, the four of us are concerned, they're on a winner there, definitely. Yeah. And definitely. including Jeff, because I know Jeff said if he didn't have Slate, he would, uh, he would have uh, the NT1s in his arsenal too. So. Yeah, there you go. Beautiful. Another show wrapped up, but don't forget, get to our Facebook. It's the Pro Audio Suite podcast. You can leave us questions there. You can actually subscribe there. And other information is also on our Facebook page. So go check it out, the Pro Audio Suite podcast Facebook. I heard a bit of a rumour we might even have a website soon. Oh, yes, there is a bit of a rumour going around. But yeah. Getting, catching up with the 21st century, finally. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Yeah, my telex machine needs a service anyway, so... Oh, my page has just gone off. I've got some work coming in. <laughs> and carrying my mobile phone has done my backing. <laughs> yeah, you've really got to get rid of that over-shoulder thing, mate. Seriously, it looks like yeah. a handbag. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, uh, those were the days. Who would have thought? Exactly. All right, well, on that note, Let's play these files and get out of here. Okay, see you next time. Cheers. This next microphone is a dynamic microphone from Rode Microphones. It's called the Procaster. I'm running it once again through the M101. I've turned up the gain. Uh, Obviously, this one needs a lot more gain than the other microphones. Um, There is no pop filter except for the one built in. There is no EQ and there is no compression. Once again, in the booth with the door open. Okay, second microphone. Microphone number two is the Sennheiser 416, 416, 416, whichever way you like to say it. Once again, running through a Grace Design M101. No compression, no EQ, in the booth with the booth door open. The C414 in the booth, the door is open through an M101 from Grace Design. See what you think of the C414 EB P48 a vintage mic from 1983. There you go. Okay, this is our next microphone. This one comes from Melbourne company Gene Audio. It's called the JA87. Now, by all accounts, it's actually not too dissimilar to uh, an authentic U87 AI. But, um, you know, I mean, that's pretty subjective. But see what you think. This is once again running through the M101. No compression and no EQ in the booth with the door open and no pop shield. And here's another microphone, this one from Microtech Gefell. This is a tube slash valve microphone. Uh, It's the M92.1S. 
It has the M7 capsule, which is a very historic capsule. In fact, it's pretty well um, an updated version of the UM57. Once again, no pop shield, which you'll probably hear in a tick. I'm sure I'm going to give you a plotive or two. Uh, running through the Grace Design M101 with no EQ and no compression. I'm also in the booth with the door open. Okay, this is uh, another microphone. This one is actually one of my favourites. It's quite rare. It's a limited edition Microtech Gefell M930 Art. Uh, once again, running through the M101 from Grace Design. No compression and no EQ. In the booth with the door open. And you probably guessed already, no pop screen. Okay, this is the NTG4. Uh, nothing is switched on, no high pass filter, no high boost. It's just completely flat. Once again, the booth door is open and we're running through the Grace M101. There you go, that's the NTG4 from Rode. Our next microphone is the NT1, which is the latest edition, the one that's black, uh, from Rode Microphones. Uh, once again, in the booth with uh, the door open, uh, running through the Grace Design M101 with no EQ and no compression. This is the Rode Microphone. Goodbye, goodbye. Wipe the tear, baby, from your eye. Though it's hard to part, I know. I'll be tickled to death to go. Don't cry, don't sigh. There's a silver lining in the sky. Bonsoir, old thing, cheerio, chin, chin, na, poo, toodaloo, goodbye.